Trading Nut, episode 172. What you learn in the beginning, the challenges, is our default response. What is our default response? So, for example, let's talk for a minute about, you know, you know when, when people trade with vengeance, right? You know, the, the revenge trade. You lost, and then you go in, and you try to recover what you lost because you don't like losing. Who likes to lose money, right? Nobody likes it. So you go in there. And your default response is to say, okay, I know how to recover. That's your default response. The right response is to say, my day sucks. I'm going to walk away. That's the right response. The default physical, psychological response is like, I got to make my money back. And then they dig themselves even into a bigger hole. What you learn in the beginning, and this is what every trader has to understand, is that How should I say it? They will go through those mistakes. Just, I hope they won't go through them with, you know, with, with big size, but with smaller size. And then when it happens, they're conscious of it. They're conscious, right? They say, you know what? What I did today, not going to do again. People are aware enough to say, okay, you know what? At what point they completely lost control of their... I would say of their brains and just their hands started acting like, you know, without it on their own, like revenge trading, trying to make it back and all those things. So our default responses in trading, like many other default responses in general in life is not what we should do. You know, like people, I don't know, maybe the bear example is the best one to say, if you see a bear, just, you know, try to, you know, lie down and pretend that you're dead. But how many people can do that? It's so difficult, right? It's just really difficult. So your first, res- you know, the response is, you know, it's just, I, I got to run. I got to hide away from this danger. Yeah. So you will, people will learn default responses in trading and they will become conscious of it. And hopefully they won't repeat them again. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to the 172nd installment of the Trading Up podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Matt Zimberg in the house. Now, Matt is an industry professional. Uh, He's run a futures broker firm for many, many years, and today you're going to get the insights into what makes a profitable trader. So this is one of those interviews that gets better as the longer you listen. So guys, do be sure to listen to the end because there's so many nuggets in here from all the years of uh, experience that Matt has that he's sharing with you guys in this interview. So please do listen to the whole thing. Uh, other things going on here at Trading Nut, as I mentioned last week, we had I had 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So, so thankful for that. And I did forget to thank one person, which is my uh, YouTube guy, Mark. So Mark, thank you for all the work that you do getting the videos out on time with all the cool graphics and stuff. Really love what you do. Um, so there's that. But there's also, also we uh, put the word out to say, hey, if you guys are a listener of the show and you want to come on and show us what you know, then this is your chance. We're going to get a fan on the show to show us. Now, I, I've got one guy who's coming up this week, uh, and I've got to say, it's really, really, really good. It's really good. It's such a simple strategy based on market structure. We put him through the paces in a back test challenge as well on pairs he didn't trade or doesn't trade, and he did so well. So, guys, you've got to go and check that out. It's a video popping up on the channel right after this one. Um, so, yeah, I know you're going to love that. Now, other things, we've got the Trading Up Funded Cup. Uh, the leaderboard is up over there on City Traders Imperium site. So, if you want to head over there or you'll find it through tradingnut.com. Uh, so, yeah, the top, uh, the leader, I suppose the leader, not a lot of people are closing out trades, but the leader with 27% equity gain is um, is doing really well after only a couple of weeks. Uh, there's a, also a competition in June that's going to kick off. So if you've missed out on this one, uh, even if you are in this one, then make sure you register for that and get a chance to find out what the prizes are. And they're going to be bigger and better in the June competition as well. Uh, I'm talking about my sponsors uh, BitGet, my crypto exchange sponsor. So these guys have got a crypto survey. They want to find out what your thoughts are on crypto. So please head over there, tradingnut.com. You'll find a link to that somewhere. Just look around. And there's $10 value in there for you just completing the survey as well, guys. 
Uh, other things, my live trading live streams are running. We've got three this week. We've got Master FX Chief for London. We've got Aerial FX doing New York. This is both Forex. They're giving away 100 bucks in the live stream. And we've got Richard Nessa doing crypto on Thursday, New York session as well. And I believe he's going to do a giveaway there as well. So guys, worthwhile attending these live and seeing them breaking down the live markets. Uh, two things before we get into the show. We're almost there. Um, number one. If you're looking to get your mindset on point, maybe for a funding challenge or something to that effect, then definitely check out my Genius Traders Club with my mentor, Andy Murphy. It's awesome stuff, and the price is about to jump up on that. So this is probably the cheapest you're going to get it, and it's going to be a fairly significant jump, I believe. So this is a chance to jump on there for Genius Trader Club. There's links on tradingnut.com. Just look for Mindset in the top nav. Uh, and also the Robot Builders Club. Doors are still open for that. If you're looking to automate some or all of what you do, let me teach you how to do it with the skills that I've learned over the years. Um, and I do it in the fastest possible way that you can do anything. So you're going to learn how to automate virtually anything really quickly and come away being probably better than most coders out there. Uh, so that's uh, also available over there on tradingnut.com and I've got a new bot launching based on fibs and the zigzag indicator this month or next month. Um, so if you want to get the access to that, then you're going to need to join up between now and the end of May 2022. I'd love to see you on board. All right, folks, enough from me. Let's hear from our sponsor and then get on with the show. Folks, if you missed out on joining the Trading Nut Funded Cup, don't worry. With over 3,000 traders registered, my sponsors City Traders Imperium have decided to run another, but this time they've promised the prizes will be even bigger and better. Folks, if you want to register for this and show your skills as a trader, click on the link above or the link below the video or in the podcast description, then sign up for free before 15th of June 2022 and get 10% off any City Traders Imperium product just for entering the competition. Good luck, folks, and we'll see you in the cup. What's up, traders? Welcome to Trading Up. We've got Matt Zimberg in the house from Optimus Futures here, uh, all the way over there in Florida. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's awesome to be here with you. Well, look, guys, we're going to have a little bit of a slightly different kind of interview than what we normally do here on Trading Up, um, because Matt has been entrenched in the industry uh, for many years and what he's going to do is talk to you about what he's seen through his brokerage, what I suppose it's a broker's view of what successful traders do, okay, or what successful customers of his do, how they how they um, behave in the markets, and from what I understand, it's a learned behavior. Is that correct? Correct. It's something that they they've learned over time. There are no, uh, I would say, natural good traders that from day one know exactly what to do. Um, well, before we get into so, that, though, before we get into that, let's first of sure. all hear your story and um, and how you got into, into this industry. So I've had interest in trading since really from the time that I was a teenager. So it goes back a long time. Then, obviously, I took it more professionally when I went to college. Uh, I took economics, finance, and I found my way into the industry. I had many roles in the industry. I worked as a, I was a broker. I was a branch manager. I was also, uh, mar- I also worked in margins and risk, which really helped me out when I build Optimus Futures to have that perspective as well. So before I wa- built Optimus, I had this, I would say exposure to a lot of um, areas in futures trading besides being a broker. So this is what I try to always share with customers. I always try to share with them the risk perspective, you know, and, you know, the technology perspective and so forth, because I'm a licensed broker. I just want to say one thing. I have to have a small disclaimer, which there's a substantial risk of loss in futures trading, Best performance is not indicative of future result, and I'm asking everybody to always only use risk capital in your trading because it won't affect your lifestyle or your livelihood. So, uh, so there we are today. I run Optimus Futures along with uh, a wonderful staff of people where everybody is dedicated to different areas, and I'm here to basically share what you said, you know, just kind of help customers who are starting in futures trading and uh you know, give them some guidance. 
Yeah, well, look, it's it's not often that we get brokers on on the show to sort of reveal what's going on in, in the background. We do hear from people that have either worked at brokers or, um, or, or may have uh, uh, had some sort of dealing with them um, on the coalface. Now, can you sort of sort of talking and focusing on traders here? Can you tell us what you see as the biggest problem that most of the traders that come through your um, your business face? Well, <clears throat> over the years, they faced different issues. But today's issue of people who enter into this market is number one, information. How do you get the right information? How do you filter through all the noise? So when I started in the business, the only thing that was available was books for the most part. Um, there were seminars too, but there were seminars and books and you went and you attended it in books, right? Today you have blogs, you have websites, you have social media, and everybody throws a trader in different directions. This is how you do it. This is how you do it, right? Everybody has a different method. And, and not to mention large public forums like Reddit that have a huge influence on people's behavior. After all, we're talking about people's money. So this information at times... People have to really stop and ask themselves, what is practical? What is the, pr which is hard. It's, it's hard. I know that. But at some point they have to ask themselves, where am I getting my information? What is the credibility of the person and how practical it is? And when you filter through that, then you can start building the things that you want to build for trading, right? So for example, me and you having this information here, you bring different traders or, you know, that they trade and they bring practical experience out there to the customers. Everybody will have a different perspective. It's up to the trader to adopt things that are important to him. But nevertheless, I always feel that if, if you give a beginner trader the right information, not just the reward side of trading, but the challenging side of trading, then they know, I hope, that they will know how to uh, withstand those channels, challenges, and also develop a plan to conquer those challenges. And so, again, information is really critically important. So that's number one. The second challenge, I think, is choosing the right asset class. I think, and I could, I, look, I could be wrong. It's just, you know, a lot of it is my intuition, working with people and listening to them. But I think people are jumping from one asset to another. And sometimes they don't understand the nature of each asset. For example, you know, people get into crypto and then afterwards they might get into futures and then into stocks. And if stocks doesn't work out, they want to try stock options. So I would say choose an asset class, which is right for you. Um, futures trading, what I do is a leverage business. It requires very fast response. It's not long-term holding. I mean, potentially, yes, you can invest long-term in futures, but is it practical in today's world in this political environment? I don't think so. So majority of the people are short-term traders with leverage. So you have to understand how to deal with the instrument that you're in, whatever you decide. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'll do a little bit of each. It's difficult. They all have their own unique characteristics. So you have to learn exactly what the asset does how it's tr trading, its advantages and disadvantages. So just to summarize again, the challenge is to get the right information, choosing the right asset class. That's in general. Folks, my crypto exchange sponsor, BitGet, really want to know what you think about crypto. And they're giving you a $10 trial fund just for completing their two-minute survey. Now, I want to remind you, they're one of the largest crypto derivative exchanges in the world, and they even sponsor Juventus Football Club. To do the short survey, visit tradingnut.com or click the link in the description below or the card above. And so, so on the uh, the information front, so if the, I mean, have you have you got any sort of examples of somebody that's come through uh, opti optimal uh, optimus and um, given you like a sort of like, hey, this is how what I what I discovered, like in terms of the right way or a good way to find the right information. Um, most of the time, it's really us who gives them the, gives them the information. 
You know, they usually will describe a scenario. I came from this asset class or from that asset class. And we would tell them the difference between the two. Um, we don't, periodically, we have people, we're very lucky to get uh, people who have traded for quite some time. And I talk to them, you know, how they trade um, different assets. And they all agree that they just take a totally different approach to each one. You know, they have a, a method that they developed um, for short-term trading, for example, in futures using leverage. But some of them may hold a portfolio of stocks, which is, you know, which they hold long-term and, and they have a completely different analysis. So I think the people that I've met are really very, very self-sufficient. Um, I don't recall anybody that came to us and told us, you know, how he, he filtered through that. Most of the time, it's us who's giving them the advice how to filter through that. If I understood your question correctly. Yeah, well, and I suppose if, if we move on to asset class, I mean, there are obviously a, a number of different varieties of asset class. Is there anything that you can tell the listeners like in terms of how can they how can they find that or know how do they know they've picked the right asset class because they've obviously got to sort of attribute or at least try it out if they want to see if this is the right one for them or is there a way to sort of decipher or or sift through like you know do they want to trade stocks do they want to trade forex is this you know have they been trading forex for 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 10 years and it's still not working but they've never tried crypto should they then try it what what's the sort of have you got a, a method for them to go, well, this is probably a way you could filter through and find out the asset class is going to work for you? I, I don't know if a trader if a trader that moves from one asset class to another asset class necessarily would be successful if he wasn't successful at, in, in one asset class. Um, you have to really know what he has done. People could trade for a year, five years, and 10 years and make the same mistakes. So it's not necessarily the asset class is, is at fault, um, but rather the, the habits of the trader. And he could potentially take the same bad habits to another asset class. Um, so really, each individual, it, it's very, very different. Now, you mentioned Forex. You know, there's reputable Forex firms and there's not. Um, you know, there's... After all, it's a market making business for the broker. So there are people who are, you know, could create good conditions and some people can't. So there's there's a bunch of variables. But I will tell you in general, you know, in, as far as choosing an asset class, um, what one has to do is really decide on their risk tolerance. For example, you know, I would say my asset class, which is futures trading where people trade a lot of stock indices and micro indices and things of that nature, I would say you got to have very high risk tolerance. If you haven't done things in your life that are very high risk or you never took any risks or you feel like you're very risk averse, maybe that's not the asset class for you. So I always tell people, you know, look at your day-to-day -day life. You know, what kind of person are you? Could you take those kind of risks or not? Now, there's another thing, okay? The other thing, besides deciding on your risk tolerance and then if it's right for you, what you really have to also think is about how do you take decisions in life? Do you sit there and ponder and think and think and think, or you're able to make quick decisions? Because futures trading, or, or for that matter, any asset that moves really fast you got to make a lot of fast decisions and some people are comfortable with it and some people are not so i always have this sentence that i say to people trading starts way before trading you know your approach to trading starts way 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 before and you have to decide what do i do in my day-to-day -day life what kind of person am i and then choose the the right asset class there are people out there that stocks and investing not trading is perfect for them because they're they don't like to make a lot of decisions they like to hold things they can live through those fluctuations and that's one type of trader and and i respect that by the way you know there's it's, it's, um, whatever instrument you choose or how you trade it's entirely up to you so i respect everybody in every asset class but at the same time if you're the type of person 
that it's not in his DNA to sit there and watch grass grow and you're attracted to something like futures and something that moves really fast, it's okay. So this asset might be for you. Over time, people can also develop risk tolerance. You know, somebody who's been trading in the stock market, let's say for a very long time, and there were huge fluctuations in this equity, can say, okay, you know what? I see that what the fluctuations are daily. So maybe 10 years ago, he didn't have the risk tolerance, but now he does. So again, you know, as I mentioned, trading starts before trading. Decide who you are as a person. Uh, decide what kind of DNA you have as a person, and then decide on the asset class that that you want to trade. Because I believe there has to be some sort of a kind of a match between the personalities. Because if you are not a quick decision maker, you don't have high risk tolerance, and you get into the futures trading business. I'm not saying you're not going to be successful, but it will be challenging, a lot more challenging than somebody who has the ability to adapt to a high-risk environment faster. And if you and I'm trying to sort of work a way to ask ask this question to to sure. make it easy for you to answer. But so if you met somebody and they said, "Hey, uh, you know, what are you doing?" You say, "Oh, I run futures trading um, brokerage firm." Now, um, and they said, "Oh, great! I wanted I wanted to get into that." What would you say to them? What questions would you ask them to find out what kind of person they are um, if you had to ask them a few questions? To, to, then um, sort of, to then say, okay, well, you're more suited to swing trading or scalping or this, you know, this market or that. Well, I don't, I don't want to discourage anyone. That, that's number one. You know, because, again, you know, I believe people could develop, you know, the education, the, the tolerance to be in the futures trading business. But in general... The first thing I would ask, do you run your own business? You know, do you do you have your own business or are you or or basically, you know, do you work for others? If you run your own business, for example, then obviously no nobody writes you a check. So it's you know the risks that come with that. And if you went that way, it means you have some sort of a level of risk that others don't. But that doesn't mean but it but somebody could could inherit a business that was successful already, right? So that's so again, there's always a depends. But the other thing I would say, well, are you comfortable with things that are moving fast? Are you okay putting, you know, let's say a thousand dollars into a micro trading account, but you're giving leverage of a hundred thousand that would fluctuate? Um, then I would ask them, what have you done so far that was risky? So it's a really it's a, it's a it's a combination of things. I can't say that it's one specific thing, but what I try to gauge is their day-to-day life. How do they make their decisions? You know, how are they fast decision making, slow decision makers? You know, I'll I'll give you an example, not so much by questions, but I will give you more by professions. Like okay, so two two professions that I think are, for example, that I use as an example that could be challenging. For example, it's accountants and engineers. Accountants and engineers are used to very specific systems, right? An accountant, one and one has to equal two. It's not always the case in trading, right? You have to be very flexible, right? You can have the same setup that leads to totally different results. Engineers, and my father is an engineer, so I, they think in systems. You know, everything has to exist. The logic has to exist within the system. So it means, so event one leads to event two, event leads to event three. And sometimes it's very hard to understand the trading is so fluid that anything can happen. You can have the same setup twice that leads to completely different results. So a lot of people say, I don't understand. I did the setup, the market didn't go my way. Why? Well, first of all, it doesn't have to, right? That's the whole point, that you filter out through all those situations through risk management, right? Um, so, so, so those are the kind of things that are there. But again, I don't want to discourage anyone, but I do think that everybody should get educated. Again, like I said before, get the right information, uh, reliable people, apply practical things, right? Be methodical, slow. You know, nobody's chasing you. Do things slowly. You know what? You'll have a chance to, to to learn the business. If you're in a rush and you want to turn your money fivefold, you know, immediately, that's a weakness. Probably not going to work for you. 
so so if somebody was going to start from scratch um how would you get them to approach trading as a whole before or even as they sort of you know sign up with your your firm so um so I'll, I'll talk about futures trading specifically i'm sure that people in other asset classes would probably come here and give better advice i will tell you in, in futures trading it's it's a technical thing right it's it's very technical because you have leverage it's very hard to um to add fundamentals day to day now clearly there are off events that create in you know very large volatility for example like the unfortunate war right now in east europe that creates high volatility in the indices in 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 the, the grain markets in the energies market so times like that you should be aware of what's going on but again it's reflected in the market day to day you have to develop technical skills to read charts um and and work with support resistance levels so you gotta number one get the fundamentals of of technical analysis at least the basic fundamentals you don't have to get a deep dive into it because you don't want your system to be over uh complicated but to have the basics that's number one. Second thing is to realize that whatever analysis you do it's not a forward-looking thing it's a probability thing and so a lot of people approach charts as setups and things of that nature all you want to do is find probable setups, not guaranteed setups because they don't exist, right? And so it's probability and see what works for you. Uh, I think one of the most important things following that is to develop r- risk management. It's when things don't go your way. How do you save your account from going to zero, right? This is what you have to think about. I think trading you know, is is really managing risk. What I think, you know, you're, you're asking me, what should I say a new trader? You know, and there's one thing that I would really, really try to instill in them to tell them that good trading, which is profitable trading, is a result of good risk management. That's what it is. You know, good traders are good risk managers. And a lot of traders think that if I'll have the perfect setups, you know, I'll make more money. And I say, no, if you have a perfect risk management, you have a potential chance to, to do that. And they also have to realize that there will be a lot of bad periods. Uh, there's going to be a lot of lackluster periods that, you know, they're like anything else. Um, and so, you know, they have to get used to it. One thing that I tell them, I tell traders who are beginning in the futures market, I always say, go look at somebody's track record who's been around for 20, 30 years, month by month, not just his annual returns, but month by month, even one of the best hedge fund traders, best equity traders, whatever, and just see after 30 years, they're month by month, and you'll see how many months they could go negative, how many months they are positive, how many months they're just purely flat making money, losing money, making money, losing money. And that's what's the most, the hardest thing to, to overcome in, in, in trading is those periods. So, so if you know that this is going to happen ahead of time, if you know all the right truthful conditions that will happen to you in your trading career, understanding the trading is not guaranteed, understanding that sometimes you can have very, very bad periods, um, in trading, I think then you start approaching things a little bit more realistically, right? So, for example, let's say you look at somebody's track record for 30 years, right? And he tells you, my average per year is 50%. I'm purely using a hypothetical example, which is really high. But let's say somebody impressed you and says, I've been trading, right? I bet somebody with that kind of a return, if you look at his performance, you would see that his drawdowns, are tremendously high right so somebody could tell you look i made twenty thousand i invested a hundred thousand dollars i made fifty thousand dollars right which is great the trader says wow that's fifty percent return but what if i also added that during the year the account went from a hundred to sixty and then back to a hundred and then right Mm. so this is what i tell traders there are drawdowns there are lackluster periods 
there will be difficult periods. Now, I, I think, you know, the industry as a whole, and I'm not saying, the, not the professional traders, but the people who sell you education and sell you the idea that you're going to be a successful trader and everything else, they really don't talk enough about the risk side. Because I think the risk side is the right side of the business. Managing the risk side, I, I think this is what the focus should be. Because what, if you what, manage what uh, what manage what risk manage, management techniques you've seen have worked well, because we've had a number of different approaches on the show. Obviously, um, have you seen any of that sort of a, a really like this is this is the way that we see works? All these guys that are managing risk this way tend to be the ones that come out and and last the longest. In futures trading, there's there's a number of ways to to manage risk. And again, because I'm a licensed broker, I also have to say that, you know, none of those techniques are guaranteed to save your account. Futures trading is risky. You know, you can lose more than your initial investment. Having said that, I've seen a number of things that help. One, you can reduce your frequency of trading. Sometimes the market just does not play your way, right? Don't get into vengeance trading. It's very important. Market is just, look, you have a setup, you have a method. It's a method that works during certain periods and might not work through others. And it's okay once in a while, you know, to sit back and say, you know what, this is not the period for me, right? Maybe it's too volatile, you know, the ranges are too high. That's one way to approach it. Another thing that you can do, if let's say you're trading five micro contracts, you know, five micro, let's say, NASDAQ or micro S&P, you know, which a lot of smaller traders uh, tend to start with, say, you know what, I'm going to go to two. I'm going to go to two contracts, you know, and, and, and try to ride out this bad period with smaller number of contracts. There's not a lot of, you know, trading is not so, it's, yes, it's an art from a psychological standpoint, but the number of strategies that you can use to minimize risk there aren't that many. It's either you slow down or you reduce your exposure. You know, you re- reduce the size that you trade. And when things are getting better, you know, in the market and you see that it's your method is more, let's say, relevant at that time, then you go back to your regular size. So, And do you, do you think, see anything um, which, I, which I've sort of realized recently is, is uh, of guys that are more successful tend to scale into trades and profit versus, um, well, actually, yeah, do, do people who scale into trades, so they've got a winning trade, they add to that position, they add again, maybe maybe three or four times, who knows, um, do they see, t- tend to be the ones that are the more successful traders? I, I, I can't say that. Um, I think, I think in general, I think adding money, um, adding positions for, I would say a beginner trader could be very, very challenging. I think, I think if you are more advanced, you can start scaling. I don't think you should start scaling, you know, as a beginner. Don't think it would work in your favor. Um, you know, I went back and forth on this with a number of traders. You know, we actually had, I spoke about it over the years with a number of people and people gave me different perspectives on things. But, and, and you might come across other professionals who might have a different opinion. But here's what I think. I think beginner traders need to really think of focus on their psychology and part of and, and, and part of good risk management is also being in the in, in the right frame of mind it's very hard to make decisions for a beginner if you scaled with a lot of contracts and I was in a position it's just difficult it's not mature yet to make those kind of deep psychological decisions when, when you are potentially um, holding many contracts. So I think it's something that the traders should do over time to scale in. Look, scaling in is a method. Let's just, that's one thing I want to say. It's a method. 
you know, you scale in at certain levels, that's your method. There are people who don't scale in. But to say somebody that scales in would be more profitable than not, I can't say that. I would say if you decide to experiment and you think your method would work with scaling, you know, make sure that you've been enough, you have enough practical, real experience, not paper trading experience. You know, not, hey, it worked on paper, it's great, you know, it's fantastic, I'm going to translate it to real life. You know, no, if you traded one micro, right, and you have some, you want to grab, let's say, five to 10 points out of it, and you say, you know what, I'm going to add another micro in two, two more points, and then after two points, and another two points, and another point, fine, you can do that, that's fine. But just make sure, you know, that you have enough practical experience trading one lot back and forth before you start doing that, because whatever you do in paper trading does not translate to real life. It does not. You know, it's it's honestly paper trading to real trading is going kindergarten to university. That's the gap that you'll experience psychologically between the two. Um, so that's... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes my long answer. answer. That's good advice because it, it, it is probably... I mean, there's a number of scenarios that you need to now account for if you're going to scale into, into a position in profit. You need to then work out are you going to get yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with that and i suppose what you're saying is just keep it simple to start with maybe you can do that in the future when you've you know obviously broken the back of of just not scaling in to start off with um correct what, what about common mistakes and i'm sure you must see like guys who come in and possibly leave the industry pretty quickly um do the same things over and over again what common mistakes do retail traders tend to tend to make um <clears throat> If I have to point, well, there's a lot of mistakes that they do, you know, um, but I, I would say the number one mistake that I see that they do is probably size. They probably trade size that they shouldn't be trading. You know, they have to go, they, they should trade the right size when they start and build up. Um Having low day trading margin is not a privilege. It's a higher level of risk. You know, it's not a potential to make more money. It's a potential to actually, you know, lose money. But there's a demand for it from the industry, right? So we brokers, you know, in order to stay in business, we provide it. But I always tell people, whatever margins you're asking for, you know, in terms of size, make sure that you understand you're taking a lot more risk on yourself. So start small. I would say this is the basis of everything else. Because you know what? You can throw at me. I had those discussions with so many professionals. And whatever you throw at me, you know, I will always come back with size. You say it, the method counts more. And I would say your method will not work if you're over leveraged. You won't be able to see the fruits of it. You know, or they'll say risk management counts more. Well, it counts, sure. But if you're oversized, then it's not practical risk management, right? And so people will say psychology is more important than, than you know, size. And I would say, well, how do you handle yourself psychologically if your size is too big? So this is the one thing I would say first is do, you know, with size. That's number one. The other thing is don't jump method to method. A lot of people would paper trade for a month, would go to the market. Now they went from kindergarten to university, right? And they're like, whatever I studied in kindergarten is not working. I'm going to a different kindergarten. So they're going to go back to another paper trading, a different method, and then come back to it with the market, right? And I say, look, you need to improve your method while you're trading live. Now, it's fair that people would say, well, you're a broker. Of course, you want people to trade live because this is how you make your commissions. And I say, okay, if you think that's my motivation, keep on paper trading every month, a different method, bring it to the market and see how successful you are and see how many times you have to replenish your account. So I still stick to it. Real trading is done with real money. You'll never be a real trader if you don't have skin in the game. And when you do that, the mistakes that you do, you have to every day, and I'm saying every day, review what you did with your trades and fix your method not fix it drastically 
You know, you have to make small things to change it, small incremental changes, right? Maybe you'll discover that the size is not right, or maybe you're using some moving average and you see that, you know what, if you waited another 30 seconds, you would have a better entry or things of that nature that you discover every day in your trading. So I would say, again, focus on size and focus on building a model and don't jump from one, one model to another. You know, I've noticed in the last few years in the industry that every year there's like some sort of a, a different fascination. You know, it's like almost like fashion. One year it's order flow and one year people talking about just trading from the dome and, you know, then they bring some sort of a analysis, you know, from the 30s and they say, that's the one that works and everybody talks about it. And I say, look, I mean, whatever method you trade, doesn't matter what method you trade, at the end of the day, find something that works for you, that's individual, don't try to imitate anybody else. And you'll develop it over time. We'll choose what you will see that a lot of people do, you know, is that they think that the system has to have, you know, multiple. And I know where it's coming from. Like people think they need to have multiple indicators, multiple time frames, uh, you know, five charts open, 10 monitors, because, you know, I think people... And, and I could be wrong on that because I always try to read people psychologically. I think they have to justify the fact that they're making money. And if they're justified that they're making money, it has to be something highly sophisticated behind it. And I say, no, you know, the people that I talk to that are successful in this business, and a lot of them are commodity trading advisors, not just people who tell you they're successful. I mean, they're regulated. So for example, commodity trading advisors, you talk to them and you, you can see the track record, you know, they're audited. So I, I, I'd like to believe that it's a real track record that, uh, that, that I'm looking at. They don't use some sort of a sophisticated method. You know, many of them use simple methods with, with strong emphasis on risk management. And this is what I think, you know, the trader should strive to, you know, in the beginning. So those are, I would say, probably some of the common mistakes. Look, you know, like as I mentioned, I think early when we discussed, the hard part is psychology, right? The hard part of trading is is, is really truly the psychology. I, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a therapist or anything of that of that. So trading has its own faults of psychology. What you learn in the beginning, the challenges, is our default response. What is our default response? So, for example, let's talk for a minute about, you know, you know when, when people trade with vengeance, right? You know, the, the revenge trade. You lost, and then you go in, and you try to recover what you lost because you don't like losing. Who likes to lose money, right? Nobody likes it. So you go in there, and your default response is to say, okay, I know how to recover. That's your default response. The right response is to say, my day sucks. I'm going to walk away. That's the right response. The default physical, psychological response is like, I got to make my money back. And then they dig themselves even into a bigger hole. What you learn in the beginning, and this is what every trader has to understand, is that, how shall I say it? They will go through those mistakes. Just, I hope they won't go through them with, you know, with, with big size, but with smaller size. And then when it happens, they're conscious of it. They're conscious, right? They say, you know what? What I did today, not going to do again. People are aware enough to say, okay, you know what? At what point they completely lost control of their, I would say, of their brains. And just their hands started acting like, you know, without it on their own, like revenge trading, trying to make it back and all those things. So our default responses in trading, like many other default responses in general in life, is not what we should do, you know? Like people, I don't know, maybe the bear example is the best one. They say, if you see a bear, just, you know, try to, you know, lie down and pretend that you're dead. But how many people can do that? It's so difficult, right? It's just really difficult. So your first response, you know, the response is, you know, it's just, I, I got to run. 
I gotta hide away from this danger. Yeah. So you will people will learn default responses in trading and they will become conscious of it and hopefully they won't repeat them again. If you read, you know, Jack Schwager books, you know, um He's a wonderful guy, by the way. I brought him also to my podcast. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to interview him, but... Oh, he Jack almost Schwager's... made it happen once. And then it, for whatever reason, it fell off the bandwagon. This was a few years ago. You should you should really bring him. And I'll tell you what I've learned, you know, from him. You know, I interviewed him. I read his books. He had, you know, um, he, he wrote The Famous Market Wizards, but he also recently wrote a book about just successful traders from home and their habits. And every single one of them made mistakes. And those are really good above average traders. Every single one of them made mistakes. Every single one of them talks about this one trade that he wished he never did. Right. Um, They talk about, you know, how to, you know, how they correct themselves along the way. And they speak so openly about it, which is really refreshing. And this is what you get the difference between, a professional and a non-professional. Professionals are able to criticize themselves and tell you the mistakes that they have done, right? And be vulnerable that way and say, just don't repeat it. This is what I try to do here, right? I'm not here to hype the futures industry. What I want to do is to the best of my ability to really help those who are coming in to understand here's what you're going to face. I always believe that the consumer in any area, bottom line, is that if you give him the right information, he'll be able to maneuver with it to the best of his ability. And this is what, so those things I think would be very, very helpful to beginners. And so, I mean, with that that in mind, and I think this is what trips a lot of people up is that they don't know if they've got the right information to be to be in the in the market. And they, they, they doubt themselves, they second guess themselves. And that's why they end up like, so they'll, you know, paper trading it. Oh, that that looked all right. Maybe they only did three months of paper trading or, or something not not robust. They don't know if that's long enough. And then they jump in, start live trading it. Something doesn't go right. And then they go, well, hang on a sec. And they, the self-doubt kicks in of like, did I have it? Did I do long enough paper trading? Was the method I was learning even good? Did the, did the mentor I, I picked, was that the right mentor? Did they actually know what they were talking about? How does somebody overcome all of that? Because I think that's what trips people up before they even get to the sort of start line of I'm going to now adapt what I'm doing because it's not working in the live environment, as per what you said earlier. Um, is there a way that you can, like, to, to foolproof that for people? You know, <clears throat> I, I understand I understand the difficulty, you know, I, I, when you say all those things, I hope that I don't come sit here on the other side, you know, of the industry, you know, being a broker and a professional in this field. And and I think I have, you know, a lot more knowledge than many other people, though I can still learn and markets are evolving. You know, I don't want to make anybody feel like they're, they're like what they do is not intelligent. I fully understand that a beginner doesn't want to lose money. Um, A beginner wants to paper trade. He wants to find the right mentor. He wants to find the right method and so forth. But, you know, let me start first with the mentor thing, because that's important. No, a good mentor, a really, truly good mentor does not give people methods. Mentors cannot pass methods. Any professional out there in any given field when is an expert, whether it's an expert negotiator, expert salesman, expert politician, expert trader, engineer, a lot of their decisions are subconscious. And that subconscious, you cannot transfer. So people, first of all, if they met a good trader and they, said, and they asked him, what method do you do? Like, what method do you use? And you tell them, this is what I do. I have two moving averages. I have one RSI. I do this, right? And they're like, that's it? What, what they don't see, it's like the iceberg, right? You only see the top and underneath is all this, right? This is all his subconscious decisions. 
This is what they develop over time. So people look for mentors and they look for those full and they look for a foolproof method that would work through all market seasons, all volatility. Every single time they would just do the same thing. Like what they really want is a copy paste. They don't want to develop their own method. They just want to have a copy paste to say, this is the method. I'm going to paste it. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to be as successful as him. Now, let's assume for the sake of argument, because there's a lot of mentors out there who, who don't make money, who just teach. But let's say that this mentor is a legitimate person, right? He really tries to teach them the right thing. When they start applying it, he doesn't give them that iceberg thing, right? He doesn't give them the subconscious, right? So they can't, that's going to be very hard. So I wish I had a bulletproof system. I don't, but what people should look for a mentor is somebody that teaches them the foundation of trading. Like this, 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 you know, like we're doing right now, we're talking about what is the right foundation. So when they teach them a method, they would teach them, you know, the risk management of the system and how they make decisions. So they could hopefully be able to apply not the method, but the process of decision-making. You know, anybody, I, I love reading books, you know, and I read books about a lot of things, you know, I read politics and I read economics and I read uh, clinical psychology and everything else. And there's one thing that I always want to know is how do they make their decisions? You know, I'm not going to be a clinical psychologist. I'm not going to be an expert politician, but I just want to know how they make their decisions. This is what people should drive at learning from professionals. Now, paper trading. You know, paper trading has a negative return at some point. Paper trading, at some point, you will develop habits that are so... I don't know how to say it, but rather than say it, that are bad for you. You'll develop habits that are bad for you. You're going from fantasy world to real world, fantasy world to real world. And, you know, I've seen people that have been paper trading for years, and they think one day that's what's going to make them a good trader. And, and I tell them there's a certain period that if you haven't stepped over, just do something else. And I know a lot of people will hate me for saying it. I get it. I I understand what it's like to when somebody's really passionate about trading and this, but there's a certain point that paper trading, the fills are not the, the, the you always get filled. You get filled on limit orders, you get filled on in and out, you know, you get just filled. You're not it doesn't imitate real life. In real life, you have a queue. So you have to be in line to get filled. And paper trading, you always get filled. That's why. A lot of people sometimes come to me and they say, I trade for a tick. And I say, okay, a tick. You know, if you're trading for a tick, it means you're competing with HFTs. Now, HFT, a lot of people confuse the word frequency, that they think it's frequent. It's not. Frequency stands in this case for speed. So they have nanosecond execution with servers that are in the exchange. And I said, this is who you're trying to compete with? some programmer with a million dollar equipment for one tick, you're never going to get filled. First of all, the commissions will eat you alive. That's number one. You know, we all, we do provide discount commissions, but you know, it's very hard when you do a lot of frequency of trading, which, you know, it's just not there. Right. So that's one thing. So this is where paper trading at many times can, um, you know, give traders the wrong impression. Somebody who's trying to trade for a tick, in the real market, we'll realize, okay, this is not working. He's going to realize it within the first minute, right? I hope they do. And then they're going to say, okay, let me do something more practical. Maybe I should go for three, four points. Let me develop a method around that, right? So I think paper trading is good to a degree. It does have its advantages. Paper trading teaches you how to use the platform and how to place orders. And you should, and we never, I mean, we never, we didn't discuss it in this podcast, but but it's very important to know how to place limit orders, stop orders, how they work, you know, and, and to know all the mechanics of, your, of, of, of the platform. That's extremely important because when you trade live and you need to exit in a panic, you want to know where to, to press. You want to know that you're familiar with the, with the interface too, right? So it has its advantages. 
it has the advantages that you're used to getting used to the to the performance of the platform, a model that you can try it out and so forth. Now, last thing I'm going to say about that is that there are people who trade live and have a paper trading account side by side at times, which is okay because because their approach to paper trading is very different because they already have real experience. So they know they're just working on a model. They'll know the disadvantages of it, but they approach it a lot more practically. So even to paper trade, you know, you have to learn how to real trade to go back and real paper trade, right? Yeah. So Yeah, because yeah, sometimes it's just simply not possible, as, as you're sort of mentioning, that what you're doing on a paper trade doesn't work. And I've seen that. Even the other day I saw it with uh, an EA that I was testing or I built and just out of a sort of a, an idea. And it was like this unbelievable curve. It was ridiculous. And I was like, something ain't right. And I looked into it and I was like, oh, I haven't accounted for the uh, correct spread size or whatever it was. And every single trade would have been straight out on spread and uh, and commissions. It would have been a, a complete negative curve. So, um, and that's an extreme example. But um, look, Matt, this is all fantastic stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you today? Because you obviously got your own podcast. You, you probably talked about a whole bunch of things in that. Is there anything I haven't asked you today that I should have asked you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I I think I think we touched on a lot of good points. I think we've done. Uh, we've um, okay. Well, what about what about uh, if there was one thing that somebody sure. had to master? Um, if they had to pick one thing to go, well, I'm going away from going away from this podcast. I'm going to focus on one thing. Try and get it mastered. What would that thing be? Size. I would say size. And what's, what's, too, to what's size. too big and what's too small and what's how is that in relation to an account size and that sort of thing? You know what? It's 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 all it's all your risk tolerance. You have to trade size that you're comfortable with. That's the bottom line. Trade size that does not make you panic. Trade size that if things go wrong, you can still manage it. Um that's all size clearly look clearly larger accounts can take more size that is natural but you know i also know traders who have close to seven figure accounts and they don't take big size because they're not comfortable trading that size they they got to a point where they know their size now maybe their size is a little bit more than the average guy takes but it's not what people think. You know, people think that professional traders always trade three, four hundred. Not necessarily. You know, some of them could have close to a seven-figure account and could trade just 20 lots. And I know some people would say, well, why? They could make so much more, right, if they traded 40, 60, and 80. And I always say, well, you know, because when they, if they trade 40, 60, and 80, then they don't make the same decisions that they make when they're, um, you know, when they trade 20. So they've learned their ideal size. And that's where it all starts, in, in, in my opinion, you know. And again, I've, I've been doing this long enough. And, you know, for many years, I debated back and forth what's most important. But in my opinion, this is what I would tell traders, you know, start with the right size. And you are your own unique individual. You are your own DNA. And you shouldn't care what others do, you know? Like some people would ask me, you know, for example, you know, some people are curious, how do other people do it and what size do they do? And I always tell them, you should really be careful with what you're asking me because are you really trying to find out what the crowd is doing? You know, don't, don't trade like the crowd. Trade things that are unique to you and that's it. If I can give a little plug to my, um, you know, to our brokerage, I'll tell you to Optimus Futures, we don't chase anyone. You know, you trade as frequently as, as you want. We do have low day trading margins, but if somebody wants to set them at a much higher level, I encourage them to do so, and for sure we can do that. We provide a, a great platform called Optimus Flow. It's free of charge. It has everything that a trader may need. We have staff that helps. One thing that we always try and do, 
for our customers is really provide them with education. So we do run the podcast. You know, the listen, you're an amazing podcaster. Podcast. I've listened to the interviews you have and the guests that you have, and they're wonderful and they're great. And thank you for having me. You know, my podcast, some days I'm so busy and it lasts into weeks. So when I have them, I wish I would have this consistency that I always wanted, but I don't. But when we do, we publish, you know, we publish it. Uh, we try to write articles about trading. We have a community where traders can come in and ask us technical questions. So we're always trying to be as helpful as we can to the customer um, because I understand that brokers live from customers taking risks. And that's really the reality. You know, every brokerage out there is really in business because their customers take risks. And if they take risks, I want them as much as I can. I can't influence every, everyone. But I try to the best of my ability, you know, influence as many as I can so they stay a long time in this business. I've never met a trader that told me, I just want to do it for two years, right? Everybody says, I want to be a full-time trader. And I'm like, okay, if you want to be a full-time trader, build a foundation that would serve you for years to come, right? With education, observing what you do daily. One thing I do want to emphasize there is to say, you know, Review what you do daily. Re- your day does not end when the market closes or at a certain time. Review it daily. It will give you such an insight into your own action. We have, for example, a journal. You know, you can use our journal or you can use, for example, an Excel spreadsheet or somebody else's journal. There's a lot of software out there that do it. But you know what? But here's the beauty of a journal. A journal will give you more insight into your own brain than your own intuition. You will discover, for example, that every time you trade after 3 o'clock, you just suck at it. And your best hours are 9 to 11. Now, it doesn't matter why. But let's say you see six months of 9 to 11, which is fantastic, right? And maybe you just more early in the morning, maybe you just think about it, you know, like maybe you're just awake and maybe you're a morning person. Maybe there's a fatigue that comes during the day and you just don't make the same decisions. Then guess what? Trade nine to 11. And this is where you separate yourself from the crowd, right? You're not sitting there all day. If you can sit all day, fantastic. It's great. But if you just decided two hours, great, you might discover that your first two hours are the greatest and then three to five are the greatest and anything in between. It's not that much. And Maybe that's your method. Maybe your method is geared towards with this high activity in the morning, and it's not as valid and, and when there's market close, but not in between. So, you know, the, 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 the beauty of trading that I always said is that you learn so much about yourself as a person. You discover your risk tolerance. You discover your psychology. You, you discover your decision making. It's just like it, it's just a journey of self-exploration. It's not just the markets. It's not just the money. It's just, you know, it's a joy just to go through a process. When trading, if somebody asks me, you know, everybody says trading is a business. Well, what kind of business, right? People, well, you're not an accountant. You don't have a sales organization. You don't sell software, right? I mean, what kind of business is it, right? So nobody, everybody says, like to say, it's a business, but nobody says what kind of business. So here's my definition. It's a business of decision-making. You're in the business of becoming daily a better decision-maker. This is what your goal is from one day to the next to become a better decision-maker. And as you become a better decision-maker, it's not about the markets. It's the variables. It's the win, the losses, and everything else. You put it together, and hopefully, you know, you'll have a good output. Uh, ahead of you. If anybody wants to visit our site, it's www.optimistfutures.com. Maybe you can publish it on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, of course. Look, we'll, we'll, um, thank we'll, you. we'll chuck that up on the on the show notes. Look, guys, uh, well, Matt, th- thank you very much for sharing with us today. I mean, I think this has been uh, really insightful. There's been a, it's been a very different kind of interview, and I think the guys will get a lot from it. Um, and I, I, I even I've so. got 
probably four or five things in here that I'll be taking away. So, look, um, a big thank you to Matt for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those thank links, you. will be in the search uh, on tradingnut.com. To find them, simply search for Matt in the search box on that website, tradingnut.com. <laughs> Until next time, I wish all my listeners uh, trading happiness and success. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. All right, there you have it, folks. Interview done and dusted with Matt. I told you, the longer you listen to that one, it just got better and better and better. Uh, now, do remember, we've got that video with uh, Naya Capital hitting the channel very soon. Well worth checking that out. Seriously going to help you no matter what you trade or how you trade because some of the techniques in there are very simple and easily easily applied to any trading strategy. Um, so glad I got that guy on the channel. It's awesome stuff. Uh, also, Trading Nut Funded Cup. Remember, CTI or City Traders Imperium to check out the uh, the leaderboard, and you can subscribe for June's competition. The Crypto Survey, go and check that out. The live streams, check those out. Join them to win prizes and also Genius Traders Club. This is the time to jump on board there now before the price jumps. And Robot Builders Club, we've got the FIB and ZigZag Indicator uh, trading robot being built this coming month for May 2022. If you want to get access to that, that's the time to join. All right, guys, enough from me. Hope you have a great trading week and we'll see you in the next video.